If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Welcome back, listeners. Super pumped and excited today for our conversation around activity coaching and the importance of the managing partner's belief in the system and the role. So Sabina and I are, I don't know if you remember, I vividly remember back in, it was 2007, that feels like forever ago, when we were involved in the first EPE, or early productivity experiment, for the home office. And the leaders at the home office were putting a stake in the ground regarding what was the most important systems when it came to a fast start in the business and and what programs or support had the most impact and uh, really where they wanted to invest. And I vividly remember, for those of you, the legend, Bill Beckley. (laughs) I vividly remember Bill Beckley insisting that race or activity coaching um, was the first position that he would hire for if he ever went back to the field or if he were to do it all over again. And my hope is that that belief regarding the importance and the the impact of activity coaching still exists in the system in as many offices as possible. You know, some of the systems or programs have come and gone over time, but activity coaching, or maybe you call it race or pace or pace setter, whatever your office calls it, um, it's been a staple in the Northwestern Mutual system um, since, I don't know, the early 90s, right, Sabina? Late 80s? It is. It was the early 90s because I started in 1990 with John, and it was the next year that it came to pass. Um, and it's been around ever since. So it has stood the test of time. It, it has. And honestly, how could it not be? Or how could it not stand the test of time? It's hard to be a sales organization and not have training and accountability around the sales numbers. And that's really what activity coaching is all about. So today, here with us to discuss more around MP Belief, um, our managing partner, Ryan Kramer, and his director of development, Octavia Morton. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hi. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah. So Thank you. Uh, we, we appreciate it. It's an honor to be with you guys. Oh, thanks. Well, we're excited. Let's do some formal intros just so I'm sure people know who you are, but we'll give a little bit of background before we dive into our conversation. So Ryan has been the managing partner for the Chicagoland office since 2015. He joined Northwestern Mutual as a college intern. I was kind of chuckling at this, Ryan. We have, we're so close to our paths. You joined in 1997 as a marketing major. I joined in 95 as a marketing major. So I had you beat by two years. <laughs> <laughs> he joined Northwestern Mutual after graduating from Illinois State University, um, as I mentioned, with a BS in marketing. He was the new advisor of the year in 1999 and then became the number seven CUD in the country. Uh, after that, he relocated to Cincinnati in 2005, where he opened and led an office of his own and then another office yet again in Kansas City, Missouri. 
His success led to being Ingram's Magazine 40 Under 40 for Kansas City in 2012. That's pretty cool. He spent some time in Milwaukee as what we called ARDS, A-R-D's, or an assistant regional director, before becoming the managing partner for the Chicagoland area. He and his wife, Jennifer, have three children, and they enjoy spending time playing sports and giving back to the community. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he has uh, graciously allowed us to host uh, one of our activity coaching clinics a couple years back. And then we were just in his office with um, my inaugural Beyond the Basics Early Productivity Workshop in May. So thank you and welcome, Ryan. Uh, You're welcome. And Good, good, good. All right, Octavia, uh, she has been with Northwestern Mutual and the Kramer Network Office for three and a half years. As the Director of Development for the Schaumburg Office, she is responsible for all things new rep development. So from onboarding to pace coaching, which of course is activity coaching or race, and helping advisors level up as they move through their first few years. Currently, her varsity team is 13 strong. It's going to be 16 here very soon. And they provide themselves, um, or pride themselves, excuse me, on being a Granham office leading with high activity motivated by each team member's vision. Outside of work, she enjoys as much time as she can with her family, especially her husband and their six-year-old son and their fur babies. Welcome. Thank you. All right, well, let's dive in with some questions. Ryan, would love to have you just tell us kind of what are your high-level beliefs or your philosophy around the importance of the activity coach or pace coach role in your office? Sure. Well, as a lot of people listening to this uh, know, our business is all about habits and rituals. And early on, uh, the habits and rituals that our advisors take on are going to stay with them. It's, it's pretty hard to change them if, if their habits and rituals are doing the right things. It's, it's hard to go to not be good, and if they're not very good, it's really hard to switch. And so you mentioned, you know, Bill Beckley earlier and, and how important this role is. There's, in my opinion, no more important role in that under five space, especially with a new advisor, getting them off to a fast uh, start by teaching, coaching, and holding them accountable. So uh, a big, big belief uh, to help with those habits. Awesome. Octavia, anything that you would add to that as you hear Ryan sharing? Yeah, no, the, the thing that just keeps coming to my mind when we talk about catching things early is just like an early detection system in your car. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I'm out of order light or something that just alerts everybody like, hey, there's something going on here. <laughs> I love that. I've actually never heard that in all these years of coaching race coaches. It's totally what we are. I mean, it's you a great are analogy. Early, it is early detection systems. And Ryan, something you said resonated with me, which is just the habits and rituals. We have such a short amount of time to get them on the right path. I know I do activity coaching for offices all around the system. And every once in a while, I have an office that will say, you know what, I have this guy or this gal that's in there, you know, they're 18 months in or they're two years in. And I feel like they could really, you know, it would be helpful for them to get back into it. And I have to tell you, I always cringe because it's painful because I know that they didn't learn or don't have those early habits. And it's so much harder to teach them in their 18th month or their second year than it is to get them while they're fresh. So totally understand the important piece of, uh, or the importance of habits and rituals. Yeah. And with that, Heather, is the, it's not even so much that if a new advisor had a bad day or two or three in their first couple of days, it's more that they understand that, what they're doing is not going to work. And sometimes, uh, you know, I'll send a little note over to a pace coach or more importantly, the MD or a GDD or whoever might be coaching them and, and say, hey, that's that's three straight days 
if you're not having a conversation with them today, then what you're telling them is it's okay to do whatever activities that they're doing that are not right. And so it's not even, it's not even that, you know, it's, it's, it's beating the, the, the newer advisor up. It's just making sure they understand, hey, yesterday was not a good day. You didn't have enough dialed or set or, or reach or appointments or whatever that is. And the quicker they understand what is a good day and what's not a good day, especially sometimes when they do get the early detection from, from Octavia or an MD or whoever else can kind of help that person out, the better they can hopefully switch that around those next few days. Mm-hmm. Keeping them on the rails. One of our early episodes, we talked about who makes a great coach um, and, and what to look for. What has been your strategy for selecting coaches for this role? Well, one of the things that we've learned, and certainly recently, is, I shouldn't even say real recently, but in the last couple of years, we've really wanted to make sure that not only is this a true professional, but generally speaking, uh, it's somebody who's got some experience in coaching and teaching others. Uh, some sort of a leadership role in their past has really been helpful. It's not that a uh, somebody a year or two off of campus who, who hasn't uh, done those things couldn't be a great pace coach. But we've just learned that somebody who's got 5, 8, 10, 12, 15 years of experience in other roles, whether within the firm, which is great because we get to see what they've done and what they've grown into, and, and they a lot of times have our values and beliefs and, and language already down pat, so that's probably the most helpful. But even if it comes from somebody comes from the outside, uh, we're really looking into their leadership, their background, what have they been doing, what have they led before, because there's a lot of leadership needed in this role. Um, certainly they need to understand and, and memorize and know the grant of numbers, but to me it's more about their ability to lead and coach. And uh, so we, we really focused on uh, some of those characteristics more so than just, hey, this you know we have a person in the office or you know we just interviewed this person that we just really like. Uh, we're, we're really looking into, under the covers and trying to see what kind of uh, background do they have. I would agree. The desire to want to coach. I mean, a lot of people might raise their hand uh, and say they want to do it, but really, truly having that belief to want to have an impact and help people grow is huge. You can teach the skill, right? We can teach Granum. We can teach the numbers. We can teach, you know, the FR role. But you're right, that desire and just the um, – the skill set of coaching in general, I would agree, is really important. So tell us a little bit about how you have invested in the activity coach role. A little bit like I just mentioned, you know, as opposed to trying to maybe find somebody on the cheap and, and save a couple of dollars in, in salary, I'd much rather have somebody who's got some experience. You know, they can communicate well, you know, go back to some of those characteristics you know, they have a good attention to detail. Certainly they can learn the random numbers. But also the leadership part is a little bit of being able to stand up to those advisors and even standing up to their managing director. Um, sometimes their managing director is maybe being a little uh, light on, on their uh, their certifications or certainly their, their expectations. So one, again, it's the person is, is the bigger one. But two, some creative ways that we've recently invested more into this role is, is some of the the new monies that have come to us from the home office are really just, I would I'd really call it changing of where dollars are coming from. There's monies from EPV, there's monies from some of these different bonuses and, and milestones, and we've decided to, to give 
some more of those to our pace coaches to to, uh, to get them excited to want to coach and want to want to have these advisors hit those milestones. Not just because they want to, like to, and that's their role, but obviously if there's a little bit of financial incentive as well, that usually goes over pretty well. So we've we've done a little of that recently, and you know Octavia is the one that's uh, been a benefactor of some of that. Wonderful. So I would love to hear how you are empowering Octavia and the rest of your coaches to lead in the role. And what are some of the things that you do that help set them up for success in their responsibility as a pace coach? Well, and, you know, Octavia will probably have a, a, as good or better answer than I. I'll, I'll let her jump in here in a second. But, I, but the key word you said there was empower. And one of the mistakes I made as a newer MD was essentially letting some younger advisors kind of walk all over the pace coach at the time. And and I didn't fully get what was going on, and I, I kind of probably brushed a little under the rug, but, but she was really trying to hold them to a higher standard. And between the, the numbers, which I wasn't really budging a ton on the numbers, but more so just on some of their behavior. And what I mean by that is just as simple as showing up late. And showing up late to a meeting with the pace coach, you know, I wasn't empowering early on, and it was a struggle for that pace coach early because they could show up late, they could maybe not show, they could send a note, you know, right before the meeting and cancel, and and I didn't show that as that's a problem, and so <laughs> she gave me a little coaching, which was great, and um, and we changed that up a little bit. I learned a little bit, you know, uh, you know, on the on the job that that I have to empower them. They have to have the ability to kick them, kick the advisor out of their office, to lock the door if they're late, to creatively maybe, uh, you know, not necessarily we can't really find them, but, but creatively find ways where maybe they don't get to participate in some of the, the fun activities that we do or some of the cash payouts that uh, we do for, for those things. So. I just, I can't think of a better word than the word you use in empower. And I, to the point of missing a meeting with a pace coach, should be they should feel the same as if they miss a meeting with a managing director, their CDO, their managing partner, whoever that may be. And really, you know, leadership's role to put those parameters in place. And so those uh, advisors know that. Again, most of our advisors, we don't have an issue with, but occasionally, uh, the ones we do, they've got another pace coach in charge. They're the boss. It can be such a difficult role to begin with. Go ahead, Sabina. I think it's great that you listen, too, because th- sometimes you know, I've been on both sides of that coin, and it, that just builds for a better relationship, and it sends a unified message, which I have always found to be one of the most important thing. Otherwise, your reps are running around asking one person and then the next and the next till they get the answer they want. But if they get the same answer everywhere they go, then they just take it in and they're like, okay, I guess, I guess this is, uh, this is how it's going to go. So great, great for you to listen and make changes based on what your activity coach has input. It's such a difficult role at times to begin with that I couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine trying to do it without the backing of the MP. And the coach has to know that the MP has their back. And I'm definitely hearing that that's the case in your office. So Octavia, just based on, you know, obviously Ryan shared some ideas from your perspective, how are you feeling that? How are you experiencing that support? What are some of the things you've noticed that Ryan does that have been helpful for you? Yeah, absolutely. 
there's a lot of alignment through our leadership, which is the first step to all of that. What Ryan said, if he was the sole one carrying that flag and if the MDs didn't believe too, then I think things would feel disjointed. But instead, I mean, from day one, I think I've felt that support and it's led to a big feeling of ownership, which I think makes such a big difference too. So not only, you know, are they told and reinforced by everybody else, like, hey, listen to what she has to say. What she has to say is important. You don't miss meetings with her, you know, lending me credibility, which was really important when I first got started, you know, that they maybe didn't believe in me on my own, you know, merit. But if Scott or Ryan was saying, no, trust her, they would, you know, give me a little bit more room to work with. But then just the ownership has become so important. When I started, I was given a lot of faith in the fact that this was my team. And how did I want to run my team? What kind of team did I want to run? And a lot of things in our network come back to um, to come back to that kind of like early detection system. I have a lot of responsibility in that ownership in being the one that raises the flag. Hey, there's something wrong going on here. Hey, we need to key in. We need to pour in more over here. This person needs more attention. And it the having the feeling of ownership, I think, makes you just feel so connected to it, right? They're not just people that I'm coaching. It's my my team specifically, um, which makes a big difference. I'm more invested in the recruiting process. I'm definitely obviously very invested during the activity coaching process. Um, and it helps build stronger relationships, I think, overall. Their support of me, me has helped me to dig in deeper with my reps. I love the personal ownership piece of it. That really is what accountability comes down to. And so by having personal ownership in your role, I truly believe you're demonstrating accountability for your FRs as well, which is really cool. Yeah. How do you continue to develop in your role, Octavia? What are you doing to grow yourself as a coach? It's a great question. Um, and I would say that that's another way that Ryan uh, and the other MDs have invested in us. I've been really fortunate to get to attend some formal developing of the developers, things like your activity coaching clinic and recently Beyond the Basics, um, as well as TalentWorks. I've also gotten to attend different leadership training programs within our network, one that was recently held by our departed uh, CFO that was really intensive and really broke down learning more about the company from the inside out, each role, my place in the company, how I help support other people, where I can grow to. So a lot of training more so in, in that zone, the leadership specifically. When it comes to um, working on my development role, I actually listen to your podcast. I'm a long-time listener. <laughs> and I found Yay. that it's a great resource for just reminding myself of sometimes the, just the basics, right? Just coming back to what's worked before. And I do a lot of mindset work. And so I try and take in a lot of just other really positive podcasts. Ryan is a big believer that if you're not green and growing, you're ripe and dying. And so he challenges all of us to keep reading new books, keep pushing our education, things like that. I love that the green and growing. We've all heard that expression before. I think that's so true. I also like to say the grass is always greener where you water it. I think too many times people are always thinking about the next role, like, oh, I want this role or I want that role. And it's like, well, what are you really truly, you know, the grass is always greener over there, but it's going to be greenest where you water it. So if you put some time and energy into what you're doing, you can do amazing things and have amazing impact in the role exactly where you are. I love your approach on learning in terms of expanding outside of just Granum and your role, but looking into other topics, becoming, you know, learning more about leadership, learning more about the FR role. I think compensation is another one. Sabina and I also host an advanced clinic, which digs a little bit deeper into some of those topics where as a coach, you can provide value to more value to your FRs. Then you also mentioned coming back to the basics. We've had a handful, Sabina, of people, right, who have 
come back and attended the basics clinic years later and just go, holy cow. Oh, yeah. I had, (laughs) right? I mean, you kind of forget, right? Sometimes it's so helpful just to be reminded of the mm-hmm. basics and get back to the process. People get away from the process. It kind of grows legs. And before right. you know it, your 15 minute meeting that has a set agenda is off in 10 different directions. So I like your focus on, on the basics as well. Thank you. Yeah. And we do things that work so well, we stop doing them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and usually when we do that, it's because we yeah. get bored with them, right? It's not that they're not having an impact anymore. And that's why I think development is so critical because it keeps you fresh and mm-hmm. it makes you a better coach everywhere in your life, really. Yeah, totally agree. The, the, Octavia mentioned two things I want to point out. The um, yeah, our, our retired CFO did a really nice job with, um, with the leadership development for our staff. Uh, what we learned is, you know, the, the D's typically get all these different development opportunities and the advisors, but the staff doesn't. And there's just not as much for that. So he put together a full year training at once a month, pretty deep dive, you know, three, four hour sessions. They had to read ahead of time. They had to do homework. It was really great. And, and Octavia was in one of those two cohorts, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, and the other thing is, and, and a lot of offices I'm sure do this, but, but uh, like Octavia mentioned, we're, we're pretty tight on it that, that all, everybody that is a part of our staff in any way, they've got a development plan and that development plan it may not be uh, for some the 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 path of where they're going to go may not be perfectly laid out. We're we're always trying to add to that because as we know, people can go all over the place in our firm. There's all kinds of different roles, so obviously we're showing them all kinds of different routes. But I think the important thing is not only you know do most people have their business goals and their plans, and we go through that once a year and then quarterly and then all these you know board reviews and all these different times. But I'm very adamant that they have all their personal goals on there as well. And so what are they doing to grow themselves personally? What's important to them at home? What kinds of things that they want to be more involved in in their community, whatever that is. And, and, and you'll just see, it's just cool to see both our advisors and, and just as importantly our staff that are growing both inside the office but outside the office. And when they come back and talk about you know, the things they accomplished this year, that they may not have tried or done or whatever if they didn't uh, if they if they didn't have on that plan and they didn't look at that plan we didn't review those plans uh, often enough that they would have done it and so it's always kind of fun to see so I'm glad I'm glad I took your point that out Ryan tell us what the impact of successful pace coaching has been for your office uh, you know one of the things we fortunately had some pretty good per averages for a number of years with our reps our lives per rep or the clients per rep or our FYC is kind of been kind of right at the number it, it should be in. We haven't been quite over, but, but the others we've been above uh, most of the time for the last several years, which is which is great. We always, you know, Octavia and I, we, we know we just need more of them. <laughs> A lot of offices would say that. We were, we definitely just need more of them. But, but, our, but it's great to see because when the reps that are here, when their averages are good and they're getting wins and they're, and they're starting to make some money and they're seeing their name on the board, that's obviously what keeps them, right? They're, they're gonna they're gonna stay. So having great pace coaches has really you know helped us with that. But more importantly, they're just another layer of our leadership team. They're they're just like having another good GDD or, or field director. They can come into a room and they can challenge the other Ds. They can challenge their boss. And I know Octavia does. So that's important, and and you know the accountability that goes with that. But but Octavia mentioned it before. It's that ownership, right? So if there's another 
person in the room that owns important numbers that's paramount. And so Octavia, when, when, you know, when she's presenting numbers, those are her numbers. And if they're behind, she feels it and she doesn't like it. And when they're ahead, she's got pride. And when you have another leader or leaders that have that you know, in them and they show that, again, it's, it's having another leader on the team that's a true leader, not just a you know, run-of-the-mill you know, staff person. And that's, that's what's really been important for us. And you know, our, our goal is to just keep growing these pace coaches and, and finding them either an opportunity, whether that's their opportunity for a long, long time and they love it and that's great, or what's that next role and then them, you know, coaching the next person and teaching them and getting them ready. So again, that leadership just continues to grow. And, and I want people sitting here, you know, in these other staff roles saying, I want Octavia's job. She looks happy. She's having fun. She mm -hmm. does a great job. I want that role. And if we can build that, which obviously we got, we've still got a little ways to go there, but that was, uh, that's what a real good pace coach and more importantly program, I think can do for an office. That role has evolved. As somebody who's been involved in that for, you know, the better part of the last 30 years, that role, I've got, I went to activity coaching clinics all the time when I was one, just to connect with people and so forth. But what I've noticed when I started teaching them is the caliber of that role has grown and grown and grown. And if you compared activity coaches today versus t even 10 years ago, probably, you'd see more Octavias, you know, more people like that. And with the backing and the, sh you know, because they have the ability to demonstrate their capacity for the team, you know, that what they can do and the impact they can make. So it's, it's really grown over the years and I, I, nothing excites me more. <laughs> My hope is that every coach that is listening hears what Ryan just said about being able to walk into a room and challenge and provide expertise and advice on the numbers and be taken seriously. And this role really can be as big as you want it to be. And people should see you as a leader. I love that Ryan sees Octavia and this role as an important part of the leadership team as another layer, like a, a GDD. That really is how important this role is. I hope that all of our activity coaches see themselves that way and lead, lead in a way that demonstrates those leadership skills. And sometimes you have to prove, sometimes it goes the other way around. If you, if you are part of a team that doesn't necessarily recognize the importance of that, which that happened, that kind of was where I came from, you have to demonstrate to them the importance of that role, like get results, show people what you can do. Um, so it kind of goes both ways sometimes, depending on who else is on your team, mm. you know, what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Ryan, any mistakes if, I mean... Hopefully not, but we all, that's part of living, right? Part of growing is making mistakes. Um, any mistakes that you have either experienced yourself or seen with leaders in other offices regarding the activity coach role? The two things I kind of mentioned before, the one, you know, with, with not empowering my pace coach, Stephanie, when I think it was in Kansas City, and really showing the advisors of the level of importance of that role. I mean, that was a big one, and I, I got into that. And the other one I mentioned early on, I don't think I can say it enough times of a day, you know, we, we um, Octavia and all the other pace coaches email the advisor, the managing director, any other leaders that are maybe coaching that person, myself, uh, the managing partner, on anybody they're pace coaching. They'll send their numbers and it's got the 25-day layout and it, it you know, shows all the important numbers and has a little tally at the bottom of what they're on pace for. It's a, a tracker. 
uh, pace tracker. And I don't think people understand, I don't understand enough, and I know others don't understand enough, how important it is to have those conversations after two or three days if those numbers aren't on track. And even if they're a number behind, if somebody kept two versus three, if they set four versus five, if they got three reversals versus five, whatever your numbers are in your office, uh, what you what you hold as the standard, again, not to get on or beat up necessarily that person, but just understand, let them know that yesterday was not a win. And that's not what we set out to do yesterday. It's okay. I just understand that's not a win. So today we have to make that up, and I, you know, I hope all of our pace coaches uh, and any pace coaches that are listening, you know, if you have a day and, and and somebody doesn't hit those standards, that tomorrow not only should be the standard, but you might have to do one more in the category to catch up. But but either way, knowing what is a good day and knowing what's not a good day is really important. And when I showed up here seven years ago, there was some of that that existed where, you know, there were some high fives given on a pace report. Maybe one number was good, and that was where the high five was, but I saw three others that weren't. And so, again, the rep doesn't know any different. They think they had a good day, and I think that is so important. I can't, I can't tell you how important day three, day two of having a real quick five-minute sit-down with that advisor and just re-reminding them of what the standards are Again, it won't necessarily change their life or change what they do that following day, but I certainly don't want it ever to be that they think they can be comfortable not doing the standard numbers of whatever we set out to do. So I've seen that a lot. I've seen that in even experienced managing directors who let that go too long, and then it's day 15, and all of a sudden, you know, with 10 days to go, boy, it's a huge uphill climb, and the advisor may think they're doing a pretty good job. And again, everybody's got different standards and how fast they want to get out the gate and, and, and what they want to hold themselves to. I'm so much less worried about how many lives they write in those first 25 days, new clients and investments and everything else, and premium. I'm more, uh, all I'm really looking for is their habits and rituals when it comes to their activities. And it just can't be said enough how important those first few days are. Well said. Octavia, what would your advice be for managing partners that are looking to further their support of their activity coaches? Uh, you know, re- really to do everything we've been talking about, to make sure that they feel supported, that they are backed up, that they're invited to have a seat at the table. That's been the, the biggest thing that's empowered me to feel like I can challenge my Ds, that I can challenge my MD. And that's really helped me grow in my ownership of the role is just knowing that you know, I'm not going to get slapped on the hand if I come in and I say, no, I think you're wrong about this. And, you know, and here's why I think encouraging just overall commitment to the program, commitment to the reps and being really making sure that the team gets aligned in how you're approaching it. When our team started really approaching things from a vision perspective with our new reps coming in and being able to tie activity coaching and how that plays into them accomplishing those visions, uh, things got a lot better, you know, things, things improved even more. And so just the more that we're invited to be part of impactful discussions, the more that we're able to own decisions, run with initiatives, you know, empowered to try and fail sometimes. Know that, hey, this might not, you know, this might not work, but we're going to learn from it and move forward. And that makes such a difference. Great suggestions. Sabina, anything that you would add before we wrap up? 
I don't think so. It's been, this has just been such a great experience hearing a great example of a team, a managing partner, and a pace coach that, that work together and that have great mutual respect, I think is a great example for everybody. So thanks again for joining us. Yeah, one of my takeaways from the conversation is certainly that it isn't. I mean, our topic is MP belief, but my realization at the end of this conversation is that it really isn't just MP belief. It's the fabric of the culture. If you've done a really good job of developing the role and really putting it up at the level that it deserves, it really is a fabric of the culture. So I hope that all of our coaches know their value, know their worth, um, truly own their role and make it what it what it can be and have the impact that they can have. So Ryan, any final thoughts? I just appreciate you uh, too doing these podcasts, helping our system, uh, helping the uh, the leaders around the country. It's, it's really important that people give back, and you guys are doing a great job. And uh, we appreciate your work that you've done with us. And you're always welcome to host your clinics here. So <laughs> you don't even have, thank you, you thank you so much. You're working on. You don't even have to ask. Just just give us a date. And we'll, we'll set it up. Well, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you you taking the time, obviously, to be with us today um, and sharing all of your wisdom with our guests. So thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.